0: We never know where
1: life will lead us, or what may hinder us along the way. But while every day can feel like one big question mark,
0: it doesn't have to. With the right insights, strategies, and solutions from Western and Southern Financial Group, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind.
1: We we're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like the ball, like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelzola, Sam Monson. We're live, definitely, on YouTube, breaking down NFC breakout players. We did AFC way back on Monday, and we're going team by team right now, breaking down the breakout players for 2023. How you doing, Sam?
0: Better now, the fans working in the room, so hopefully it'll be slightly cooler than it was the last time we did this show.
1: I can see it. It's kind of psychedelic on your screen.
0: I mean, needs must. There's a cut co- there's some there's some drawbacks to the to the record setup here. We we already covered the sound uh on Monday. Hopefully it's I mean it's as good as I can make it. I'm talking right into the microphone, right into the little sound shield I've got right here. Uh so that's as good as I can make it. I apologize if there are any chimes of notifications. I have killed everything on this computer I can see to kill, but it did, however, chime once last show, and I have no idea why. So You know, these are the risks we need to to run to operate this computer. And, of course, the fan must be running. Otherwise, I will expire from the temperature in here.
1: You can't make it another hour, huh? That's all right. No. No, No. we we appreciate it and, um, you know, appreciate our listeners, their patience with maybe uh, our remote setups here during the summer. Um, So, yeah, we're going to go team by team here in the NFC. If you did miss the AFC, go check it out. Breakout Players, you wrote an article months ago. We'll highlight that a little bit. But uh, different rules for breakout players. Is it a guy that hasn't done anything yet? Is it a guy that's going to take a step towards superstardom? We'll highlight all of those team by team here in the NFC. But first, as a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive, both now and in the future. And with term life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life, help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. If you need any extra support, you can access a team of licensed agents who can answer questions along the way. So take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meatfabric.com slash PFFNFL. That's meatfabric.com slash PFFNFL. M E E T Fabric.com slash PFFNFL. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency, LLC, using fabric technologies not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meatfabric.com slash PFFNFL. All right, Sam. NFC was starting uh, alphabetically here, like we did the other day, with. The Arizona Cardinals, not a lot of excitement in Arizona for the 2023 season, but do you have a breakout player for them?
0: Yeah, I don't love the options for Arizona, in part because you kind of have to rule out most of the offense with Kyler Murray you know, injured on the shelf for an indeterminate amount of the season so far, but let's assume most of it given how late he got his injury last season. Um, So defensive side of the ball – it's just not a lot of talent to work with like that's the different problem I kind of like like Zayvon Collins as a breakout candidate though like I didn't necessarily love him as a prospect he hasn't played lights out but I've been impressed with his tape every time I watch it like he he understands where to go he understands how to fit the run he's got the body type that's so rare amongst off the ball linebackers today and I think he could be a good player in a, in a good scheme, and we haven't really seen that for a while in Arizona. So if I had to pick
1: a guy, it would be Zayvon Collins. So I was going to actually go with the other first-round linebacker from a few years ago, Isaiah Simmons. Who's who, now a safety. Who's now a safety. Or a and, slot corner. Yeah, I mean, he's officially a defensive back. And mm-hmm. last year they made that move, had him play over the slot, had a 67 grade. That was a career high by far. So I think maybe – New system, full offseason, really playing that role. Year four, now for Isaiah Simmons. I get him as a breakout candidate. The other guy that I would highlight is Cameron Thomas on the defensive line just because there's no one else on the defensive line, and he graded pretty well in not even 300 snaps last year. So the the pass rushers right now, Cameron Thomas, Majai Sanders, B.J. Ojolari in the draft – Dennis the Barbarian Gardeck, who really should be like, why isn't he our breakout player? He's really sure. the breakout player, the Barbarian. What a pleasure it was going to the Bengals preseason game last year against Arizona, where I got to see the Barbarian in person. Well, I think really the Barbarian broke out the moment we discovered his name was the Barbarian. Yes, yes, our listeners know the uh, Dennis the Barbarian Gardeck game. You know, you just gotta—I mean, take a drink, take a sip tally, whatever it is, every time we mention him. But we try to – I mean, we slide his name in there more than Christian Hackenberg's now on the Mm -hmm. podcast. We need somebody to tally up the most common, unnecessary names that we put into the podcast. Is it Mark Brunel? Is it Hackenberg? Is it the Barbarian? Um, Either way, there's opportunities at edge rusher for the Cardinals. And I do think, realistically, Cameron Thomas, year two, San Diego State product, third rounder, has a chance to be that guy. So look at that. Arizona has breakout potential. Easy. All right, on to the Atlanta Falcons. Hmm, tougher. I've got a uh, former model darling, Arnold Ebicady, on the defensive line. High 60s grade in year one. You know, some glimpses. We saw only glimpses. Give him some more opportunities this year. And Eb- Ebicady will be that guy. He's a little older. 20, I think he'll be 24 here in year two. But uh, he's my guy. Breakout potential here for the Falcons. I don't think I realized that he was a a big model guy. Yeah, um, I liked Evicetti
0: coming out. I you know didn't show a whole lot year one, but that defense was bad across the board. Not many players showed anything, but they've really reinforced it a lot this off season. Jesse Bates coming in as a big money signing. David Anyamata on the defensive line. Um, you know they've added players in the draft trade for Jeffrey Akuda, Clark Phillips as a slot corner. Like they have really reinforced that defensive line. Kilahias Campbell coming in. Um, the, the defense across the board, rather. So, Ebekeyti has a lot more support around him this year to, to try and become that breakout guy. So, yeah, I like that as a suggestion. I think that's a pretty solid one.
1: Anyone else to uh, to highlight
0: on the Falcons? Not really. I mean, I think all the guys on offense have kind of already broken out, or we we just sort of expect to be good, or, or whatever. You know, Desmond Ritter is a guy where the opportunity is there. If, if you think he has the ability, the ability to do that, he's been essentially given the starting job. And theoretically, this is a good offense to succeed in as a quarterback. It might not put up crazy numbers, but you can be. I think it's quite a low difficulty level offense to operate as a quarterback. So the capacity is there for Ritter to break out. I'm just, you know, I don't have a ton of confidence in it happening. And actually. I don't, I, if you were sort of putting probability odds on it, I'm not sure if you would have a higher degree of probability on Taylor Heineke breaking out within this offense than Desmond Ritter, even knowing that
1: Ritter will start the season as the number one quarterback. Oh, man, your Taylor Heineke takes all offseason. I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it. It's going to come up in the season preview show as well, I'm sure. Heineke might be the guy give him the keys all right staying in the nfc south we're going team by team for looking for breakout players for 2023 the carolina panthers you have an article way back from january where there's um still some truth here but you're going icky Wanu back then and i was going to go he's the starting left tackle former first rounder i was going to go brady christensen year three guard guy that i got in our expansion draft because i'm a big believer in the offensive line year three or four breakouts so we're both going o-line here for the carolina panthers you you have <clears throat> you have to
0: go terrace marshall jr because you mentioned him as a potential breakout candidate every time we reference the panthers receiving core i might do that so yeah. contractually it feels like you can't get away with not putting his name out there
1: all right let me put terrace yeah terrace marshall jr. yeah my bad mm-hmm. terrace marshall as well so yeah it's a year of all sorts of breakouts in carolina is it not
0: yeah i mean carolina i actually think is a difficult one so again you can if you want to factor in rookies you know there are obvious ones in there my guy jonathan mingo for example but if you're before you get to the rookies i think carolina is actually not an easy one to come up with breakout names because either the guys have already broken out or you know you don't necessarily think they're prime for a massive step forward Iki kwanu You can argue he's already broken out i think there's space for him to get a lot better year two so i think he qualifies but that's kind of it like you're looking i i've seen a lot of people throw around frankie louvu as a name to break out i I think the people that are saying that have sort of missed his career for the last couple of years because i think he's already done that like he's played at a really high level for the last couple of years his playing time has gone up like short of becoming. You know, an absolute, like never leaving the field and doing exactly the same thing. I don't see what Frankie Luvu could do additionally to break out beyond what he's already done. Um, and, he, and he played, you know, 900 snaps last season. So I, I think he's already done it. Um, at which point I'm, I'm sort of out of players that I think would be real breakout candidates.
1: The other name I wanted to highlight, and again I, I I use this rule in the AFC show, it's it's players that either are gonna become good for the first time, or mm-hmm. players that might take a step towards superstardom or stardom. JC Horn at corner missed some time last year, was very good, 71 grade, uh, but there there were times where he was absolutely shut down on the outside for the Panthers. So um, I think JC Horn. Maybe has his name thrown into that mix as well for a breakout player, just uh, taking a next step and being maybe a top ten corner this year instead of just a very good one. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. All right, on to the Chicago Bears. I have a couple different options here. More, mo- I got a lot of model players in the NFC, I believe here. Uh, yeah, but sh- I mean they're they're Chicago another Bears.
0: team. I think with an obvious, you know, number one candidate, which is Justin Fields. Like clearly, he took a big step forward last year in terms of won himself the job again like they they dismantled that team around him and he still played well enough individually to earn the starting job again by which i mean they traded out of number one overall they didn't pick bryce young they amassed weaponry and brav capital and they committed to justin fields at least for the short term now he needs to take another step forward as a passer this time and and show that kind of jalen hurts career arc of you know, grading in the 50s, then the 70s, then the 80s. That's what he needs to do. They've built around him this year in a way they didn't last year. You know, they've added players to the offensive line. DJ Moore comes in as a receiver to in in that trade to trade out of number one. So there's some players around Justin Fields this year for the first time. Now let's see the breakout come.
1: If, if you were mapping out Justin Fields' career, would you rather that it happened the way that we expected it, which was – very accurate he'll make all the throws he'll take so many negative plays though that it might take some time for him to cut down on the sacks and the the negatives but he can throw the ball and oh by the way he can run a little bit that's what i think we expected versus oh my gosh on the field sometimes he looks like lamar jackson and he's putting up lamar jackson types of type of production and we've also seen him execute as a passer yeah it was in college but boy, he could throw the ball. Like he's a good thrower of the football, and he's a dynamic runner. Is this actually a better? Is this actually better for Fields' development that it happened this way?
0: I don't know if it's better for his development, but I think it changes what you think his ceiling might be, um, or at least changes the type of player you think he can become. Like if you get the full version of what he's capable of, it's it's different now. Because, like you said, we. We knew he was athletic, athletic, we knew he was fast, we knew he could make plays on the ground in college. So it's not like that part was a surprise, but how effective and how devastating that could be, I think was a shock to most people, even, player, even people who watched him you know, a lot in college. And that to me changed, because you, at this point, I don't think you should have changed your opinion on what he's capable of doing from a passing standpoint. You might be concerned that he'll ever get there, But we've seen him execute passing to a very high level accuracy arm strength all those kinds of things so in theory i think your optimistic view of justin fields is still from a passing standpoint the potential is still there and we now have more athletic potential than we thought we had whereas if you went the other way around you would sort of be like well we knew this guy was already really good as a passer and he's he's a good runner but you sort of you've left some meat on the bone in terms of we don't you know he's not doing what he what he's
1: doing right now on the ground yeah so i think fields is the obvious candidate for a breakout year in year three the other players i wanted to highlight uh jaquan brisker had a good rookie season at safety 67 overall grade i think he's poised to take a next step there as well uh, depending on what you believe about tevin jenkins at guard i still think he might be the best uh, one of the better tackle options on the Bears but he played pretty well at right guard he'll move to the left side had a good season last year I think there's a even if he just stays consistent low 80s grade I think Tevin Jenkins call him a a breakout as one of the better guards in the NFL this year and then I'll just throw uh, Jack Sanborn's name out there at linebacker you know played okay and played played well played well in the preseason yeah glimpses again in the regular season there's a lot of youth on Chicago's roster. So there's a lot of this uh, breakout potential depending on how optimistic you want to be, Sam. And then I think Braxton Jones deserves
0: a mention as well. Like complete sort of surprise player at left tackle last season wasn't incredible, but was good. You know, was good enough to have earned himself that job going forward. And now let's see if he can, you know, take the traditional kind of development curve for a young offensive lineman. Because if he does, if he takes sequential steps forward from where he's
1: already played, he'll be a really good tackle. All right, Sam, we've all been there. The player you benched in fantasy football just went off. But with Best Ball and DraftKings, you get the best of your team all season long. This year, Best Ball and DraftKings is bigger and better than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. Join DraftKings' biggest best ball contest today. You get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. What a deal. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. You don't have to worry about ads or drops or trades. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. That's code PFF only on DraftKings. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Well, opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued is $10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions will apply. Avoid where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. This all ends July 14th, 2023. All right, where are we right now? NFC. We're done with Dallas. the Bears. The Dallas Cowboys. Where are you going for Dallas breakout player. Hmm. Dallas is tough. I see where uh, you went in January and he was a name that I mentioned too. Tight end Jake Ferguson.
0: Yeah. Since which time, of course, they've added uh, Luke Schoomaker in the the draft. So, you would still expect Jake Ferguson to be given sort of primary crack at that starting tight end position, but there's at least more competition now than there was back in January when we were predicting these, these things. So, I think he's still a decent candidate like they obviously liked what they had in him to the point where they didn't need to do anything crazy or really aggressive to to fill that starting tight end spot um so i think he's still absolutely a live option yeah i I would say tyler smith on the offensive line is kind of already broken out like really played well right away at a position that he wasn't
1: supposed to be playing or was supposed to be significantly further behind in um I wrote down his name as well I mean yeah he was he was impressive as a rookie man 73 mm-hmm. grade playing two positions when yeah he's coming out of Tulsa and is supposed to be more of a developmental tackle was, yeah, prospect
0: was supposed to be like wildly raw uh, particularly as a pass blocker right you know, we knew this guy can run block and move bodies at the point of attack like pretty much nobody in the draft but wow he's got a long way to go as a pass protector which is why he was kind of kicked in to play guard like that's who he was supposed to play but then tyron smith goes down now he's got to go out and play left tackle and didn't just sort of hold his own there like played well it was was good as a pass blocker forget the run stuff like he was good at the thing he was supposed to be weak at so i'd kind of consider him already broken out but now he's going to play a new position the one he was supposed to be playing last year and maybe he kicks that on to be just you know an absolute dominant force in there Elsewhere, like it's tough to find obvious candidates on the defense. Maybe you go with Oza Adikizua inside. You know, he I think showed something. They've been trying to fill those interior bodies for years, and he showed something in a way those other guys haven't. You know, they've gone through guys like Malik Collins and Neville Gallimore, and none of those really showed anything. Adikizua has at least shown the ability to factor. Now, maybe he. he takes a step forward and run really breaks out but
1: that's that's kind of it for dallas adigizua fits my criteria of hey here's a guy who graded in the high 60s and uh <laughs> now he could be a 75 or you know high 70s next year i think adigizua makes a little bit of sense i'll also add they bring in jonathan hankins they draft mozzie smith to kind of be those those nose tackle types if those guys uh become forces you know, hankins um, by the way, I, th- we, I can't find the question I got on Twitter. I think we got tagged something about Dallas's run defense with and without Jonathan Hankins and how good it was and is that more important than the PFF grade? I think there's probably a podcast segment about that in the future. Um, but Hankins did maybe help upgrade the run defense while he was there. I don't think that's sustainable. But either way, the big bodies playing nose tackle, potentially opening things up for a Diggy Zua for a full season – could help. So he's yeah, he's the other name that I would highlight for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the D- Detroit Lions. Breakout players for the fan favorite Lions that everybody loves. Another really obvious
0: one, unfortunately it's, uh, it's taken a blow, but Jamison Williams, you know, year two, it's gonna have to wait six games or whatever yeah. his suspension is for us to see him, but kind of redshirted year one coming back from that ACL injury. They got him on the field late. They didn't really make a whole lot of him when they got him on the field. Um, but when he turned on the tape and just watched him move, like forget yeah. what he was getting, the targets or whatever, just watched him move, the speed, the quickness, like that was obvious. It, he stands out in a league of super athletes. Like he was visibly operating at a different level to those guys. So I still have tremendous faith that once they get him on the field in a full time capacity the potential of how he can change the game from an offensive standpoint the the difference that he will make in defenses having to respect that speed and agility and ability every single snap is going to make a big difference
1: yeah i mean i i think yeah the the suspensions there and when he, jameson williams showed his flashes when he just you know ran his deep routes ran those over routes and got behind the defense there was a few of those last season Anything that was a little bit more intricate or underneath or uh, you know, needed to break off his route at the exact depth and all that stuff, there, there were some question marks with Jamison Williams. So that'll that'll hurt having that suspension. But even if he just becomes Khalif Raymond plus, becomes that deep threat for the Lions, I think that constitutes a, a breakout for Jamison Williams. 35, 40 catches, but at 18, 19, a pop. I think all that is doable for Jamison Williams this year as a compliment to the other possession type receivers that they have in detroit uh the other name that i wrote down is a high 60s guy graded in the high 60s who will break out of course sam this year limb mcneil at defensive defensive tackle had a good year too um he had some some dominant games you know we see this from defensive tackle sometimes where they just straight up dominate mcneil had you know a couple of those games where he was unblockable so he just put that all together for a whole season i think he's got breakout potential and then um this one's a little iffy because Aaron Rodgers left the division, but Kirby Joseph, who became yeah. Aaron Rodgers' favorite target down the stretch, <laughs> he was like magnet, magnet to the football when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback for the Packers. But Kirby Joseph showed some ball skills his final year at Illinois and also as a rookie last year for the Lions
0: yeah i was going to mention kirby joseph i think that's a good call and then obviously hopefully he will get a bigger role this year but let's see what james houston can do with an expanded workload. oh for sure um, yeah his production was crazy in a limited sample size last year the sacks were were obvious but he was also very productive simply from a sort of grading and, and per rush basis
1: demanding that his role gets increased right let's see what he can do with a bigger workload is he the next cameron wake the best the best comp for small sample size dominance at edge that we've seen in the PFF era. Uh, On to the Green Bay Packers. Is it Jordan Love? I mean, he's the obvious candidate, right? Like, you, you
0: like give him the starting job. Now go break out. Like, be, be a good quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the first name you gotta start with. And then you can also mention guys like Christian Watson. Maybe this is the year that Romeo Dobbs actually shows why there was so much hype around him last year. It, it, it was a real thing it was just going to take a little time to to translate to the regular season level um i think there's the packers actually have a ton of these guys candidates for this zach tom now going to start at right tackle presumably after filling in for david Bacchari at left tackle and bouncing around the line a little bit a what was he a fourth
1: or a fifth round pick last season high 60s Um, grade there sam that's a that's a great candidate
0: to break out. high 60s grade inevitably gonna break out and become a dominant player this year so yeah, I think the, the Packers actually have quite a lot of players that are obvious breakout candidates.
1: Another high sixties grade was Devontae Wyatt, last year's first rounder from Georgia. I mean, I'm making jokes here, but um, when you like Zach Tom makes sense. Like when you grade in the 60s as a rookie offensive lineman, there there are so many guys that grade in the forties and fifties. Yeah. That is a great starting point as an offensive lineman. And a guy like Devontae Wyatt as a first rounder just didn't see the field a ton, but they're gonna be relying on him a lot more in year two so i think all of those guys are good choices i also wrote down romeo dobbs right in last year's sh- last uh, monday show I, I mentioned now isaiah likely as the breakout candidate for baltimore he was the training camp and preseason darling i mean romeo dobbs was the king of preseason hype last year first because the packers needed a weapon Devonte adams had left romeo dobbs was you know looking a little like Devontae Adams he moved a little bit like him he caught a couple passes like him and he steps right into the preseason he's running slot fades he looks uncoverable a couple drops in there but he he was running routes extremely well I think sometimes that hype shows up a year later and so I think Romeo Dobbs has a chance to maybe become what it felt like he could become last year during July and August
0: yeah like there are times where the preseason hype is just a fabrication or it's just a product of a guy dominating in training camp practices that are never going to it's never going to translate to the NFL level. But there are also times where I think there's something there. It's just that we all got sort of we, we all lost the run of ourselves and projected like dominance into the regular season. And that was always a step too far. But the fact that Romeo Dobbs was so consistently good throughout the preseason process, throughout training camp, throughout everything before getting to the regular season I do think there was probably substance to that like i don't think romeo dobbs is simply a garbage nfl player that's going to be bounced out of the league in a couple of years and there was he all he was was a preseason darling right i think there was probably something to this idea of we have uncovered a player that we didn't think was or is way better than we thought he was going to be and okay it didn't translate to that level right away in the regular season but we still have faith that this guy can actually develop into something better than we
1: thought he was when we drafted him in the mid rounds. So we we joke about preseason hype a lot, but the truth is every good NFL player probably had a good training camp and probably played well enough in the preseason. Like it, it's not a complete baseline for future success, but for most guys it is and it's it's a starting point. It doesn't mean everybody will succeed, but yeah, I think Dobbs has a chance to be that high-volume target this year along with Christian Watson, I think, who already broke out as that legitimate deep threat for the Packers. So um, all that said, we've mentioned some interesting players for the Packers. Man, it comes down to Jordan Love, though. If, if that 12-throw sample against the Eagles, if there's any truth into that, it's going to be a fun season, I think, for the Packers to see if Jordan Love has really turned things around from what we saw in his first two years. Mm-hmm. All right, on to the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, last, last show, you cheated a little bit and mentioned rookies. I was trying to not focus on rookies. But the Rams have, well, rookies everywhere. All over their two deep. I mean, they've got a, a linebacker room of just uh, some names. I got some names. Mm. Who do you have as a breakout candidate here for the Rams? So much youth. They, they're going to rely on rookies more than any team I can remember. In recent history, can you remember anybody relying on rookie contributions as much as the Rams? Yeah, good
0: luck finding a breakout candidate here that doesn't involve a rookie name. I mean, Tutu Atwell, maybe, is your guy if you're trying to avoid rookies specifically. But outside of that, it kind of has to be. I mean, this is I we, we talked about this before when we did the roster rankings. Like, this is a Bad, bad roster. Upside. Um, it's an upside roster. It's really bad on the defensive side of the ball. They might have the worst defensive roster in the NFL with Aaron Donald on the team, which should be impossible to achieve. They might have the greatest NFL player or yeah, greatest defensive NFL player in the history of the game on their roster whilst simultaneously having the worst defense in the NFL. That's mind-blowing. Um, and
1: Hall of Fame quarterback Matthew Stafford and wide receiver Cooper Cup, who had one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time. I'm joking about Stafford, not a Hall of Famer, but you know, top end quarterback. I mean, he might be. He might be. be who knows? But might be. So the actual answer I'm going to give here: Kobe Durant at corner. Uh, last year's fourth round pick played well on a 300 something snaps. Very athletic. There was back to back years of bringing in some athletic corners for the Rams. I don't like classifying their roster as bad, Sam. I don't. I really just think I just think there's so many unknowns because you have guys like Kobe Durant. I think Jordan Fuller uh, could be solid at safety, but they they brought in Durant last year, Robert Rochelle the year before, taking shots on um, on athletic corners. We've mentioned Trey Tomlinson as a guy that could break out. We know Puka Nakua is already having you know was already having great OTAs in minicamp. So I don't. It's not bad, Sam. It's it's in transition. And relying on youth so much, we don't know yet. These guys haven't proven themselves yet. I mean, on it's on paper, it's unknown, not bad.
0: Yeah, but the the sort of <laughs> in the range of outcomes or the bell curve, unknowns at this kind of level tend to be bad. Yeah, I understand. Like the probability. I mean, if are... you're
1: ranking, it has to be on the low end. You have to rank yes. them on the low end. But if the Rams ended up with like the 18th best roster at the end of the year, it's like, all right, that's that's in the range of possibilities because. There's a sure. lot of
0: unknowns. But like, but the the average, the mean outcome of unknown in the NFL is not, you know, average. It's not you might be good, you might be bad. We're right in the middle. The mean outcome of unknown is bad. And then yeah, every now and again, unknown quantity will become a really good player. But when you have like an entire roster full of unknown players, that is going to skew
1: towards having a bad roster more than it's going to skew to be having a good roster. Puka Nakua is my other guy if we're gonna have rookies. But I'm looking at the secondary: Kobe Durant, Jordan Fuller. Fuller heads into year four, kind of like the captain of the secondary there, which is amazing. Did you have any other players to highlight for the Rams? No, I
0: mean I would be. I'm into rookies at this point. I yeah. can see Trey Tomlinson, you know, surprising being really good right away, um, given what he's good at. I could, you know, see a guy. I
1: mean, it, it would be the rookies. But man, this is this is a tough ask for the Rams. Did you skip them when you wrote this months ago? Oh, you went Kobe Durant. Okay, good. I see that. Uh, who's next? Minnesota Vikings. Breakout players for the Minnesota Vikings.
0: I hadn't considered doing that before.
1: If we were allowed to just skip teams where it's too hard, I might do that in the future. That would have been hilarious because so, I was scrolling down and I just didn't see them. I was like, maybe you just straight up skip the Rams. It's too difficult. Can't do it.
0: Yeah. There are no appropriate candidates. Ranking breakout break players for, the, for 30 for thirty NFL teams. Insu- I haven't bothered insulting your intelligence to try and uh, create one that we all know <laughs> is not a realistic probability.
1: We used to, When we tried to do like a secret superstar for every team, like this team doesn't have one. They yeah. only, they have real superstars or everyone else is average. That's it. <laughs> all right, um, let's go uh, Minnesota Vikings. All right, Vikings. I, I
0: think the most obvious one, the one that I almost certainly wrote in the article that I can't remember – is Brian Asamoah at, uh, at linebacker. Um, that is flashed... who you wrote. Say that again? You, that is who you wrote, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Flash last year, you know, showed some, he's got some crazy athleticism, some movement skills. The space has opened up for him now with with Eric uh, Kendricks, moved on. Jordan Hicks is still there. He, he'll be one of the sort of primary linebackers, but Brian Asamoah has the chance to be the other guy in that sort of two linebacker uh, core within that defense, um, I think he's the most obvious guy, but there's another team that sort of plowed a lot of resources into the defensive side, you know, over the last couple of years, they have quite a lot of young players sort of who would be candidates guys like Andrew Booth, Jr. at corner, um, seen last year, who had that horrible injury really early in the season, basically missed the whole year. You know, we haven't seen essentially anything from him yet. Um, so there's a bunch of guys,
1: I think, that would be candidates. So that's, that's always one of my favorite storylines is players who just didn't play much as rookies, either because they were blocked or because they got hurt or whatever it is. So the players you mentioned, I was going to mention Lewis Seen as my guy to break out. You mentioned Andrew Booth and then Brian Asimawa. Those are the first three draft picks in Kwesi's tenure, or is it three out of four? Ed Ingram was the third pick and then Asamoah was the 4th is that right if i'm getting the order right but the three first defensive players in uh you know for Quazi as GM and remember at the time we were like man he's he's focused on the back 7 he's focused on improving the coverage unit uh a rangy safety like Lewis seen an athletic corner like Andrew Booth an athletic safety like Asamoah we didn't get to see any of them really for an extended period of time last year especially seen didn't see the field after his season ending injury those are the guys. I mean, those are the guys to highlight. Not only that can break out, but will also determine how good was Kwesi's first draft when he highlight. Yeah. You know, when he when he isolated these players. Uh, the one I like the most is seen because I just think he was a very good safety at Georgia. We'll see what type of role he plays. You know, Cameron Bynum is still there. Harrison Smith is still there. Um, but I like seeing a lot as a player flies around the field, and he would be my choice. But they need Andrew Booth, who has you know, man coverage types of skills, uh, type of skills at corner. And uh, Asim Awai, as you mentioned, the, um, the path is there for him to take over. So it's kind of like what I'm saying with the Rams, too. These are unknowns. Like, it's easy on paper to say, like, I don't know anything about these guys. But I don't think it's bad for a franchise to – so what the Rams have done is redshirt guys, and they don't see the field, and then year two or three they become contributors. I think all that's fine. It doesn't always work. But I think that's okay as a strategy. I'm getting some of those vibes from the Vikings where their 2022 NFL Draft, this is basically their rookie season and time for those guys to step up.
0: Yeah, like seen. I-, I loved him coming out. His problem in terms of being the guy we're talking about is they still, like, if the Vikings still actually have quite a lot of strength at safety, which is maybe the only spot that they have strength in. Um, Bynum, you mentioned Harrison Smith, Josh Metellus played last year and played pretty well. Like. Luisine simply cracking the lineup is an achievement at this point, let alone breaking out and being a really good player once doing it. Andrew Booth, it's worth pointing out that, um, you know, with the new defensive system, Brian Flores, I think he actually suits this system better yeah. than he suited the last one. So that might help him break forward. One thing, so unknown is not necessarily bad, but so the Bengals, Dax Hill, right? It's an unknown right now. Barely played year one, and they're projecting him into this role year two, and we're saying, well, that's encouraging. Let's give him the sh- – he'll break out. But you don't want a whole team of those guys. Like, if you want one guy to step in seamlessly and, you know, your unknown player to keep the, keep the thing on the tracks and keep going, that's fine. When you're like, all right, we've got Aaron Donald, and then the rest of the defense needs to be new and take a step forward together. Go that's a bigger problem and the Vikings right you're looking at this thing you're like okay we now need Lewis seen Andrew Booth Brian Asamoa uh we're gonna need Marcus Davenport to step into a role he's never had double his production double his playing time over the season all the, you know all these things and they all need to happen together and they're all unknown like that's not that's not encouraging <laughs> it's fun it's fun it's though. fun fun to watch but it's just like you know <laughs> I hear the you. Chance, Like if Daxon Hill is a 50/50 proposition, and you end up, you know, with the crappy end of the 50/50, it's not a disaster, right? With one thing that hasn't worked out. If let's say the most optimistic outcome for these is they're all 50/50, and then you hit 50/50, that's bad. Like the team is going to stink if only 50% of those unknown things works in your favor.
1: All right, slightly different situation for the Philadelphia Eagles, but the similar type of player, Nicobe Dean. As the gotta be. obvious uh, breakout player just because everyone else is good, established in <laughs> Philadelphia. I think the two big options, you've got Dean. I'd say there's three big options. You have Dean at linebacker. You have Reed Blankenship probably yep. trying to take over a starting spot in, in year two, but I think he'll be challenged by rookie Sidney Brown. And then right guard is the other obvious spot. Cam Juergens. Right. So it's all that we talked about the Eagles. Future-proofing is the phrase you like to use. Red-shirting. Cam Juergens is stepping in a, in a starting spot in year two at right guard. nicole Dean stepping in at a starting linebacker spot in year two. I have mo- the most faith in Dean, though, as the breakout player because he was just so good at Georgia. I don't care how small he is. He was so good. And he's got the big Georgia dudes blocking him anyway. You
0: know, yes. covering him up. Yes, that, and that's important. Um, one last, to, to tie together the Vikings and the Eagles, I think you can mention the backfield for both teams. Like Dalvin Cook obviously got cut, so Alexander Madison is presumably going to get first crack at that. I don't know how much they're going to divide up that workload in Minnesota's backfield, but Madison has never carried the ball more than 134 times in a season before. He's presumably going to be at least 100 on top of that in terms of carries. Madison's good, but has not been heading in the right direction recently in terms of rushing success and, and general production. He's been significantly worse than Dalvin Cook. And if it isn't um, Alexander Madison or if he gets surpassed by somebody on that depth chart, you know, they've got other options there. And then Philadelphia, obviously they moved on from Miles Sanders in the offseason. Rashad Penny comes in who's been perpetually injured throughout his NFL career, but when he's been playing has got insane production. They traded for DeAndre Swift, who behind this offensive line and in this offense could end up looking like the superstar that his supporters have said he's been all along. And then obviously Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott have, have already been there and then could be productive players. So somebody <clears throat> somebody out of that backfield is going to emerge as like the number one option. But I would, I mean, N'Kobe Dean would be my guy. Like I love what he was as a player in college. I think you're right that it's important that the big monster players are still in front of him. So if that size is a problem, and by the way, he's another one of those dudes where like Bryce Young, when you're near him, you're like, wow, that guy's small. Yeah. Like we were stood next to Kobe Dean, um, you know, the Super Bowl, whatever that like pre introductory thing was, or they're all in, the, in the, the basketball stadium. And then they sort of, the, the big names are up on the podium still. And everyone else starts wandering around the room and just getting swamped. Like, I'm standing right next to him, Kobe Dean, and I'm like, that guy's not much
1: bigger than I am, <laughs> like, I'm not, and I am not NFL linebacker-shaped. That was one of the stories of this year's draft, but if you go back two years, there are a lot of uh, smaller players trying to break some norms, right? And yeah. uh, Dean's got that opportunity and linebacker this year, but uh, I think he's very good and has an opportunity to do it well for mm-hmm. the Eagles. Uh, New Orleans Saints, breakout players for the Saints. I struggled with the Saints, um, unless we tapped into rookies, but even then, I, I think you have to look to the defensive line because they need that, right? They need the defensive line to uh, to turn the corner. I went with Paulson Adebo, maybe, as a player to bounce back. Uh, year three for him. Anyone else that you want to highlight, maybe, for the Saints? I went with Adebo well, all, and then uh, Peyton Turner, the former first-round pick, who I thought down the stretch finally started to show something. First of all, I like the way you just skated right over the fact that we missed them out alphabetically. What did we do? We went Minnesota, then Philadelphia, and then back oh, to New York. I don't Orleans. know what I did. I'm in. Mean, yeah, I I really screwed up.
0: And I don't see a I don't see a spreadsheet explanation for
1: that one. Oh, I have no explanation. I missed the Giants too. I screwed something up. I went I went to the wrong. <laughs> I got a screwed up spreadsheet that I'm working off of. Yeah. It should have been Vikings, Saints, Giants, and the Eagles were just way. I'm sorry. I just apologize. Sorry. Save your emails. Screwed up. There's no explanation. Look, it's a growth opportunity. You know, we're gonna go Saints failure. See it as a way of improving. We're gonna go New Orleans Saints, New York Giants next. Okay. And then when we get to the Eagles, just in case, we'll say, "Hey, we we already did the Eagles."
0: Yeah. Uh Yeah. Um. I would so. I think defensive line is a good spot to focus on simply because there's a ton of opportunity this year. Um, Carl Granderson, I think has a shot to to really break out. I think he's played well already. And as much as they drafted Isaiah Foskey and Peyton Turner was the, the top pick. I think Granderson has kind of earned the capacity to be that number one guy there and show that he can be that dude. So I, I'm excited by that. I'm fascinated by that wide receiver core. Now, um, any of them could break out really like, Chris Alave probably already has, but in a similar conversation to Garrett Wilson, you could say, like, Alave could take this thing to the next level. Be a star, be it Derek Carr is his quarterback.
1: It's a little less encouraging than Aaron Rodgers, but whatever. No, it's not. Um, like, but it's not, though. It is. But it's not, because you don't need a great quarterback to, like, be a star receiver and to put up big numbers. I guess you said then Aaron Rodgers, but, like, Derek Carr is perfectly yes. capable of having a star receiver.
0: I'm just saying, it... You have
1: less confidence in that happening with Derek Carr than you do with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. I mean, Jameis Winston can have star receipt, you know, because it's it's about it's about volume and opportunity more than anything. You're right, but if you, you would rather a good quarterback throwing you the ball than a bad one, you use and the I'm word not bad. Derek a I'm bad try, what I'm trying I'm to do is wean you off the word bad, right? Like I didn't Derek, say Carr's Derek not Carr bad.
0: was bad. I simply said that you would
1: rather oh, a good quarterback okay. than a bad quarterback. You're right. Yes. The football. Sorry for projecting that on you. I apologize.
0: Yeah. Carry on. So, if there's a notable difference in performance between Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, I would rather Aaron Rodgers than Derek Carr as my quarterback. Sure. Okay. So, Alave, Michael Thomas probably can't break out after being Michael Thomas already. But you know, Rashid Shaheed, there's there's extra room for him to be really good um trevor penning on the offensive line basically didn't play last year you know it was supposed to be their starting left tackle all season long got hurt in and training camp and, and didn't start the season james hurst got that gig and then only right at the end i think trevor penning only started the final week of the season so he's now going to come in and be the starting left tackle and we'll see what he can actually achieve in year two rather than year one but yeah the saints have got i think some some real options
1: yeah penning it- had some issues in pass protection both in the limited preseason time and limited regular season time but outstanding from a run block perspective in both you know pre and on 91 run block snaps in the regular season I think Trevor Penning absolutely is a candidate so yeah there are some players there for the Saints the defensive line's intriguing though because I think a lot of the Saints success will be you know some of those young players you know taking over for the the production that Cameron Jordan has lost the production that Marcus Davenport takes with him and Uh, Shy Tuttle and some of the other turnover that they've had there the last couple years. If you haven't heard already, it's Smooth Sack Summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you've scaped your pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into Smooth Sack Summer by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with our code PFF. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare for that summer bot. They have built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Beach, lake, or shower. This razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0. It's the Manscaped boxers and the Shed travel bag. So, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscapes.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscapes.com. It's Smooth Sack Summer, boys. Get on board or get left behind. All right. Uh, New York Giants breakout player, I'm going minicamp superstar, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell <laughs> is going to be the breakout player Paris for the Campbell, huh? Yeah. I'm okay. buying into it. So not only, so Paris Campbell was a guy that I thought last year, finally showed a little bit for the Colts, right? You started to see him make some plays in space and, but the Colts were offense was such a mess you're not you weren't seeing it often enough so we saw glimpses i'm changing i use the word flashes a lot i'm changing to glimpses lately i, need, I need a third good word to like add to the rotation glimpses of really good play from paris campbell and then in minicamp uh no wandel robinson there but paris campbell was taking all the gimmick plays and all that stuff so he's dominating in minicamp and it's like eh, maybe Wandell's going to be the guy that does this going forward but i thought campbell you see this every now and again a year four five wide receiver breakout where it's like all right this guy's good all of a sudden like if lovisca chenault all of a sudden be- became more consistent or good or paris campbell all of a sudden became more consistent in good would you be all that surprised i don't know i'm gonna go paris campbell here for the giants i think the opportunity is there for him
0: okay yeah, i i'm not gonna lie i'd be pretty surprised by that um I'm buying it I, so so much of it is about. Priors, though, right? It's about whether or not you like the guy as a draft prospect. I, I didn't oh, love sure. Paris Campbell. So I'm not buying into basically any optimistic projection of Paris Campbell at any point that shows, you know, something else. Um, I, so their obvious candidate, and I'm not sure how confident I am with this, is Evan Neal at right tackle. Um, I think the fact that Andrew Thomas did it at left tackle for the Giants I think it sort of artificially encourages people that Evan Neal is going to follow the same track, you know? Yeah. They're like, hey, Andrew Thomas was garbage year one, and then year two and year three, like, look at this. This is how it works. So everyone's like, well, Evan Neal stank year one. So year two and year three, we're gonna get way better, right? But I, I don't know that that's actually true. <laughs> like for a start, Thomas had that very real excuse of like they rebuilt his past sets year like during the season, effectively, like right away. They came in, they said, look, it's not going to work the way you're doing it. We're going to need you to do it this way. There's going to be some growing pains while this happens. We're just going to suck it up. And then at the end of it, it'll, it'll all be worth it, right? So Andrew Thomas had that to work through. And that absolutely affected his ability right away. Evan Neal didn't. Now, you can make the argument that Evan Neal had to play right tackle year one. and He was in left tackle uh, his, his final season in Alabama. And maybe that was a problem for him, blah, blah, blah but a a lot of tackles have to do that and it doesn't necessarily mean they play like garbage right away and b he had played right tackle at alabama before so it's not like we were taking a career left tackle and asking him to do something that he'd never done before um we were simply putting him back at a position where he already played so you know you can definitely construct an argument that says look tackles generally don't play that great right out of the box and he was playing a position that that was different to the one he played before year two is the time we're going to see a big step forward in Evan Neal, and the athletic ability and the size and, and you know the, the ability the talent is there you can also look at it and say you know there was no reason for him to be playing as badly as he was last season and it was particularly concerning the manner in which he was losing a lot of the time which is being in position, actually making the block and then a dude just like ragdolling him to the side and shedding the block like he wasn't even there. And you're like, well, how, much, how often does that get a lot better year one to year two? So he's an obvious breakout candidate. I just don't know how confident I am that it's going
1: to happen. If he does take a step forward this year, I'll, I'll probably list him next year because you know year three or four right. is more likely from an offensive line perspective. But he's got to take a big jump this year, grading in the low 40s. Haven't seen a bunch of that from... From full-time starting offensive tackles, particularly first rounders. We've seen it from guys that were kind of thrust into the starting role and maybe shouldn't have been there, but as a first rounder, it was a pretty disappointing rookie season for Evan Neal. On the other hand, uh Kayvon Thibodeau, I'll throw his name out there as well. If we're gonna do this, hey, guys that could take a big step forward to become mm-hmm. a star, Thibodeau, 72.5 grade, but down the stretch, some monster games. Both as a pass rusher from a run defense standpoint, I think Thibodeau has a chance to be, you know, one of those probably, I I, I don't even know, top 10. I don't have the top 10 edges off the top of my head, but top 10 to 15 edge defender this year. If he took that step, wouldn't be surprised. The takes on Kayvon Thibodeau
0: are like all over the map after his first year. Like there's a lot of people that sort of look at the sack total or look at, you know, whatever and just say he wasn't good at all. He's not going to be the guy, blah, blah, blah. And then there are other people that are like, he was by far the best rookie pass rusher. You know and i think either extreme is silly <laughs> and of course he was there's no way he was better than Aiden hutchinson was over the totality of the season i don't think and uh, there's also no way he was sort of as bad as for sex right he was somewhere in the middle so he absolutely showed certain plays where he was really impressive and also by the way showed sort of areas that were criticisms of him as a draft prospect like showed that those weren't a problem so a load of people were like telling you he took plays off. He, you know, d- gave up a lot of time in college. And then maybe his signature play last season as a rookie was him chasing down, was it a running back or a wide receiver, like a guy that was making a big play down the sideline and and Thibodeau ends up outrunning like his own defensive backs to chase this guy down and make a play 40, 50 yards downfield. Like it's the antithesis of taking plays off or being lazy or, you know, not giving it 100%. So, absolutely think he's a
1: live candidate
0: for a, a big step forward in
1: a breakout. I thought the takes would be super positive just because one of his best games, was, I think was at Sunday Night Football against the Commanders, where he just did everything, run, pass, run. he's just making ridiculous plays, dominant. Um, but, yeah, I think Thibodeau has star potential for next season. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, I highlighted some players that you like. Good, Drake good start. Yeah. Drake Jackson, Danny Gray. Yes. I don't know Danny Gray's opportunities, what they're gonna look like at receiver, yeah. but as a potential downfield threat for the Niners, and then Drake Jackson will have opportunities. They'll uh yeah. they need him rushing off the edge and I think he's got breakout potential as just a pass rush specialist more for the Niners.
0: Yeah, Drake Jackson's definitely a good one. Um, you know, Nick Bose is obviously there, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave was the big move this this offseason. They brought in Cleveland Furl, who is um, he's in that world right now where he's kind of he's a better player than the perception because the perception is tainted by what a disappointment he's been relative to his draft position. You know, he's a little bit like, you know, Robert Ayers is always my comparison for that guy. The former first round pick who is does not live up to that billing and is therefore permanently seen as a disappointing player. But if you can sort of just get past that and look at what he is relative to other players at his position, he's actually not a terrible player. I,
1: so by Cleland. the way, sorry to interrupt, but like I thought so Robert Ayers' history was like really did nothing for his first four, maybe five years and then became a very useful early down yeah. run defender and a pretty good pass rusher. I don't remember my Cleveland Furl takes at the time, but Robert Ayers probably crossed my mind at one point looking at Furl. And if he became a more useful player, you know, in year five and became a. You know, like a good, productive rotational defensive end, I wouldn't be that surprised. I actually thought about putting him on this list as a potential breakout player for the Niners. Yeah,
0: and and Ayers actually became a player that I think, by the at his best, he was playing at a level that was actually worth the first round pick that was spent on him. But he was so far sort of ruined by the disappointment of not being not living up to that first round pick that he was sort of always perception wise lower. Furl, I don't think, is playing at the level that Ayers got to. But I think is a good example of the same thing, which is the 49ers have no interest in where he was drafted, really, right? It doesn't bother them that he was a really high draft pick that didn't live up to it. All they're looking at is this is a guy that costs us almost nothing. How good is he? And he's actually, I think, a really useful part of this rotation. But my point being overall, they don't need him to be like he's... He's a decent run defender. He's okay as a general rotational body, but he's not going to stop Drake Jackson being on the field as a situational rusher if Jackson shows anything this year. So definite path to playing time, definite path to being a breakout player for him. Love your optimism on Danny Gray. I struggle to see how it happens simply through playing time and opportunity, but love that dude coming out. You know, love this offense, love the combination. Just don't see the pathway for it.
1: Yeah, it would be some sort of injury. Uh, you have Brandon I or a trade of a Brandon Ayuk or whatever it might be. The thing that we keep not foreshadowing, but thinking, hey, if teams are desperate around the league for wide receiver help, is Brandon Ayuk the next guy that's available with like a T Higgins? Right. But you have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings ahead of Danny Gray, rookie Ronnie Bell, all competing for time. But I like Gray as a player and uh, you know somebody to highlight because I don't see a ton of other options here. The Niners. Anyone else that you would highlight besides Oren Burks, of course. Of course. What about a uh, What about a Trey Lance breakout? Oh yeah, I guess you could have Trey Lance or I guess Sam I'm... Darnold breakout. All right, let's do it. I want I want I want you on the record for the Sam Darnold breakout. <laughs> I I mean, look,
0: if you were putting probabilities and likelihoods on things happening, if you were told. That Sam Darnold finished the 2023 NFL season as a Pro Bowl player. What percentage would you put on that right now?
1: That he's going to be a Pro Bowl player?
0: Yeah. If I told you, right, predict, put a percentage chance of these things happening over point the next five. six months. Twenty-five. One. one point five. I said, but I'll say one, one point percent. Five. Okay. One percent. I
1: think it's. I think that's higher than single digits. Percentage. I just don't think he plays over Brock Purdy or Trey Lance.
0: I don't think he plays over Brock Purdy when they're healthy, but I don't know if that's going to be the case for Brock Purdy. Um, I think he might play over Trey Lance. And by the way, the other thing is, so as, as impressive as Brock Purdy was in, you know, a few games, like what if he doesn't play well once he gets yeah. back? Let's say he get. Let's say he's healthy whether or not that's real healthy or like healthy enough to be given the green light he starts he you know is given the first opportunity and then whether or not it's it's lingering effects from the ucl or whether it's simply regression to you know a guy that was actually the last pick of the draft and let's say brock purdy plays like crap for the first you know how long do you go with that if you're the 49ers and you're a team that like expects to be in the nfc championship game how long can you actually
1: afford one of your three quarterbacks doesn't even matter which one playing like garbage to start the season didn't we already do a show on not doing this we already highlighted don't buy into the sam darnold hype
0: oh no no you see there's a difference between buying into the hype and saying that there's absolutely the possibility that kyle shanahan can turn sam darnold into a pro bowler
1: yeah i mean for darnold's career progression you know it was leave new york and the the shackles of Adam Gase as your head coach and, you know, offensive mastermind. And it's like, all right, well, Carolina unlocked him because, you know, they were, they were 3-0 and with him at one point in 2021 and he was playing well and that all fell apart. And then last year it was like, hey, it, I, I, got, I bought in a little bit last year just because the, he physically looked a little bit better, Darnold. He physically looked like he threw – so, yeah, I mean, I could see Sam Darnold having success. With the Niners, because he went from lose Adam Gase to at least the, you know, the Panthers don't have the best team, but they, they don't have Gase, and now he gets to have Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I guess it's all, it's all possible. Darnold had more good games than bad games last year. We'll say that. The problem was the last game was an absolute train wreck against the Saints. So You're already buying it. Yeah, I'm, I'll do it. I don't need to sell you on this. You're, you want to go there. I'm easily swayed. Oren Burke's coming off a career year with a 78 grade on 160 <laughs> snaps as well. My first, my first love, PFF College. All right, we mentioned a lot of players for the Niners. One of them will break out. Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to say Seattle a couple Seahawks. of last year's draft picks that didn't necessarily break out in their okay. loaded draft class. Uh, Boye Mafé and, at, at Edge and then Kobe Bryant at Slot Corner. So their loaded draft class from last year where they found two starting tackles and Tariq Woolen at corner and uh, Ken Walker at linebacker, I mean, running back, maybe it's going to be even better once a couple of last year's draft picks take a big step in year two.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's entirely plausible. Like, I like Boy Maffei coming out. Um, I thought he could definitely be that guy. Uh, wasn't tremendously impressed by him as a rookie but you know this is a position that doesn't necessarily hit the ground running immediately so i could absolutely see that one happening uh I, they're actually i don't think they're the easiest team in the world to come up with obvious breakout candidates for
1: no i agree i mean so kobe bryant i highlighted as um you know he, he played he did have a uh a lot of time last year graded in the 50s but you kind of liked him coming out of uh cincinnati so he's got an opportunity mafe's he'll have Chances, even though they just they loaded up on all these second round edge rushers over the last couple of years, um, they'll all just be battling for playing time. Mafe and then Derek Hall, who they just drafted, Uchenna and Wosu, Daryl Taylor. But you know, Mafe was really good in the preseason. You saw the the burst and what he's capable of. Uh, could this be where Devin Bush finally figures it out as a year five? Was it year five breakout for uh, for Devin Bush? In a new system, I mean, Pete Carroll getting the most out of former first round, for, former top ten pick Devin Bush. Devin Bush is absolutely
0: crossed over the threshold of like I'm I'm done with it at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? He's in the Baker Mayfield category of like, sure, I liked him coming out. It may happen, but I'm there's no way I'm ever expecting it to, to to manifest. And actually, the Seahawks have a couple of those guys because Dwayne Eskridge I loved as a receiver coming out, and he's just been injured, barely played, like has done nothing. You know. Maybe Eskridge randomly clicks now that they've signed or now they drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba, but again, I'm I'm done predicting it to happen.
1: It's just I I, I could see it, but no. Way back in your January article, you did lean on uh, Abe Lucas at right right mm. tackle, much like we talked about Zach Tom. Lucas was very good. He was better than Charles Cross, right? Third rounder Abraham Lucas, higher grade than Charles Cross, the first round tackle who played left tackle last year. Once again, I don't think right tackle is harder than left tackle or vice versa. Um, but Abe Lucas, maybe he has a chance to you know, jump into that top five right tackle spot, a very impressive rookie season with a 68.4 grade. You don't see that often from rookies, so Lucas has a chance to be that guy that goes, gets into star territory for whatever we call right tackles if they're stars. Yeah. That it for Seattle?
0: I think so. I, I would struggle to sort of come up with another name that I think is a realistic, uh, breakout candidate for them. I mean, obviously Tariq Woolen already broke out. Could he ascend to superstardom? Sure. I, you know, I think the sort of the perception might already be there with him. So it's a little bit tricky, but I, I could see him having a significantly improved season. He's, he strikes me a little bit like, um, the sort of narrative we had around Trayvon Diggs where like the, the, the perception around him is so far ahead of where his actual play was, based off that year and the way the numbers broke for him, that he could be a much better player the subsequent season. But the stats not be any better, or the yeah. grade not be any better. You know, like so. Tariq Woolen, I think, could take a significant step forward next
1: year, and the perception not changed for him. Yeah, the most impressive thing about Woolen is that he did it in year one. I mean, he just looked yeah. like a completely different player. If he did that in year three, I'd say, oh, wow. I mean, great job by the Seahawks getting him there in year three, but they did it in year one. But again, it's like, all right, let me just see it one more time. Let me see it one more time, and then we'll be talking to Tariq Woolen maybe a year from now as a star. All right, Tampa Bay Bucks, breakout player, and why is it Baker Mayfield? Stop. Kyle no, Trask? I
0: can't. I can't
1: do it. I'm,
0: I'm. I've been burned too many times by Baker to buy in again. Plus, I saw a video where he missed a tight end over the middle. Therefore, it can't be good.
1: I admit to buying the minicamp and OTA hype too much and, you know, grasping it and reciting it and just buying in too much. But I need you to admit that you buy in in the opposite direction into negative social media videos coming from the same minicamps and OTAs like you think joe montana ever overthrew a five-yard pass uh-huh probably did he had, do it patrick twice mahomes in a row? had one of the worst preseason games i've ever seen a couple years ago he missed like five throws in a row out of seven yeah uh-huh. those didn't go viral
0: no i'm just look, it make the the baker mayfield situation it's in a
1: bad place you know and him him not hitting receivers right in front of him it's just not a helpful thing it's not helping it's not helping uh, I'm going running back Rashad White, who uh, Leonard Fournette's out. Rashad White from Arizona State showed um, – I thought he was impressive as a rookie. You know, nobody ran the ball well for the Bucks mm-hmm. last year because it was just a terrible run game and scheme and blocking and everything was bad. But there was a couple games where White ran the ball well, but he was a very good pass catcher. Uh, he's explosive, shifty with the ball in his hands. He'll get a lot more opportunities. I think the – for whatever you, Tom Brady's gone. And even though Brady yes. wasn't elite last year, he was still good enough to have a much better looking offense than they had. But I think, I don't think, I don't know if the, what the offense is going to look like this year, but the run game should be much better. Just having a change of scheme. And I mean, I say that, I don't know what the run blocking is going to be like unless, you know, Ryan Jensen's coming back. At least there's questions on the line, but either way, I think Rashad white is going to be uh, a very good player and to me, he's the breakout candidate for the Bucks.
0: Does Ryan Neal count? He was – you could argue he broke out last season for Seattle, but nobody seemed to
1: notice. Um, Neal, Neal's one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL because I, I do weekly radio in Seattle. And a couple of years ago, he had that great game kind of covering George Kittle. And it was like, man, this – if if Ryan Neal was a draft prospect again – and pulling off some of this stuff or he's a tight end eraser and he's 6'3", 200 as a safety and doing all these things. You'd be like, man, get this. This guy's like a Kyle Duggar type, you know, top, top right. two rounder. And um, he just didn't do much in the NFL until 2021 was inconsistent. And then last year was unbelievable overall. Um, and then got hurt down the stretch. So yeah, they pick up Ryan Neal as a great option just to see hey can he keep 82 grade can he keep that going safeties it's really tough to keep that level of consistency but Neil I think he already kind of broke out but he absolutely counts in this case because I think if he maintains this level the Bucks may have stolen one of the better safeties in the league the way he played last year
0: yeah played over 700 snaps, and it got better as the year went on like the first couple of games were rough enough and then he went on this really good stretch of kind of elite play And it was sort of like nobody noticed. Like the the Seahawks didn't have any real interest seemingly in bringing him back. They've obviously got some more investment in players in that position. Um, Quandre Diggs, you know, uh, Jamal Adams. But they then signed friend of the show, Julian Love, rather than prioritize a guy like Neil instead. And then Tampa Bay picks him up for pennies on the dollar for a fraction of that. And he'll be like, he should start for them and be, you know, next to Antoine Winfield Jr. That could easily be a really, really good
1: safety pairing for them. All right. So there we go. We have some options for the Bucs for breakout players. Let's wrap it up now. Washington Commanders, breakout players in Washington. Is it Sam Howell? I mean, Howell?
0: if yeah. If Jordan Love is the breakout player for the Green Bay Packers, then Sam Howell has to be for the the Washington Commanders. And again, you know, it makes some sense. Like he is he's an interesting story because and I, I kind of I forget where I was a radio hit the other day where we talked this out. But like, you know, when Ron Rivera was on the podcast, he he made the point to us like we were sort of questioning, "Hey, I mean, is the Sam Howe thing real for real?" And he asked us like, "Where was he in your prospect rankings a year ago?" You are like, well, he was our number one quarterback. Now, okay, it turns out it was a really bad quarterback class, so I'm not sure what good being number one in that class is. But it's a fair point that if you rewind a year before he went in the fifth round, not only was he supposed to be the top quarterback available, but he was like popping up in in number one overall mock drafts, the the year two early mock drafts, like consistently. And it's not like he played badly in his final year of college. Like sometimes that can happen and a guy plays like garbage and it's like, all right, fine, we'll drop him. But like he played well in a different offense with a different group of playmakers and a whole different sort of setup and dynamic if anything, that should have enhanced his draft capital or his draft stock rather than harmed it. And then he ends up sliding to the fifth round. And at the point where that happens, like regardless of what you do, you're immediately sort of, you have no shot, right? Because you just, there's no investment in you. There's no motivation for a team to give you any kind of playing time or opportunity to win any, even reps in, you know, preseason training camp, blah, blah, blah. But there was enough of an opportunity for him with Heineke doing what he did that, all right, let's see what Sam Howell has. And in the last game of the season, he showed enough that it's like, let's roll the dice. Let's see what he can be. Um, so this is I, it's a sort of fascinating case study that doesn't roll around that often of a quarterback that at one point was seen as an elite prospect, then slipped to the fifth round and has then – somehow lucked into the opportunities that fifth-rounders typically don't get, and now we're going to see
1: where he is in the NFL. Yeah, just to to rewind, too, into the, the college career, part of the reason why he slipped is he he was one of the better true freshman quarterbacks we've seen. 82 grade in 2019 was fantastic that year and looked like a future first-rounder. And then next year, 90-plus grade, 90-plus passing grade, when, when he lost most of his targets... The passing grade dropped in 2021, and you mentioned it was a new offense and the whole thing, but it was how he did it. All of a sudden, he jumps up with a 90-plus rushing grade looking like a fullback, looking like Tebow, that he never never showed that as a freshman or a sophomore. And that became like his game in 2021. So part of it should have been like, hey, that's impressive. He found a way to win or produce in a different way. But other people viewed it as, man, the passing game was, was poor. He did have some poor games as a passer, um, accuracy, pocket presence-wise. So it wasn't like Sam Howell just got he, screwed. I mean, there were question marks to his game as a junior to the point where people yeah. said, man, you should have taken that NIL money and gone back. And, uh, but now, look, at he's the starter for the Commanders. And it wouldn't surprise if he's a pretty good player
0: but i sort of feel like the questions were overblown a bit or at least sort of seen in the light of what he did the year before or as overly negative right like the year before he he passed for 10.2 yards per attempt you know had a, a 9% big time throw rate which is like off the charts stupid and 2.2% turnover worthy play rate which is 0.2% higher than Bryce Young over the last 2 years so of insane stats right and then diami brown goes to the nfl like he loses important pieces of that offense so the next year his production drops but it only dropped to 8.7 yards per attempt which is still really good his big time throw rate went to six percent which is still really good and his turnover worthy play rate didn't change at all it was 2.2 percent which is still really good so was it worse than it was the year before yes and it was notably worse like significantly so but a, he offset it with the running ability that we didn't even know was there. And B, it wasn't like it was bad. Were there bad games in there? Yes, absolutely. Like the the Miami game was was bad. But I don't I think in totality that that season should not have had the kind of negative impact that it had on his his
1: standing. How confident are you that this is a breakout year for Sam Howell? Um
0: vaguely confident i actually i I think he might be okay
1: yeah so i'm intrigued by just seeing him by seeing jordan love by seeing guys that have just are going to be given opportunities here not in their first season
0: so who are our quarterbacks that so there's whatever comes out of the 49ers thing there's sam Howell. there's jordan love who else are we getting for like real first year sort of
1: desmond ritter yeah ritter and um Kenny Pickett, I think we saw enough of last year that it's not right. He'll he'll it's a, it's a pivotal year for him though because
0: yeah, there. I mean, there were important yeah. years for other guys. But we've yeah. sort of seen more of them, like guys that are sort of realistically getting
1: their first shot at this. Other than rookies, that might be yeah. It. As I'm glancing around the league, I think that might be it. Colt so McCool. I would say that I am less
0: confident that Sam Howell has a really good year than I am of Jordan
1: Love, but more confident. Desmond Ritter. That's fair. I'm surprised you're that in on uh, Jordan Love. I mean, I'm
0: not like I'm not I don't think the number is not like 60% for any of them. But that would be my order. I think if I was ranking them in most likely to have a good year.
1: No, I think that's all fair. Yeah, so I'm intrigued by it. Um, The other names I his former college teammate, Diami Brown, just because of the connection and De'Ami Brown as a deep threat, potentially as a breakout candidate. And then Jamin Davis, former first rounder at linebacker, uh, improved a little bit last year. Do we see that step forward like we saw a little bit from Patrick Queen in Baltimore last year? I just wanted to highlight those other names as well to go with Sam Howell.
0: What do you think – Like. What impact do you think the college connection between Hal and Diami Brown has in the NFL? Because Diami Brown has effectively done nothing since coming into the league. Like He was a third-round pick. Year one, he got 24 targets and was bad in, on those targets. Year two, he had 12 targets, and none of them came in the final game of the season. Didn't he have or, a deep catch? Sorry, b- two of them. Um, Didn't he have a deep two catch? Two snaps. Huh? Didn't he have a deep catch somewhere? He had a deep catch somewhere. There you yeah. go. Was in the preseason? No, there was. he had a good game against Tennessee where he caught two passes for uh, 105 yards. That's, what, that's but, what it was, see? But none because of those they're... catches or targets came in the final game with Sam Howell. My question is, no, I is, does he immediately get catapulted forwards because we're like, oh, Sam Howell and De'Ami Brown in college was
1: insane. No, I, I, I'm viewing it as that, that wide receiver four deep threat guy, that Khalif Raymond role, that uh, Rashid Shahid role, uh, Deontay Hardy. You've got Terry McLaurin, you have Jahan Dotson, you have Curtis Samuel, but Diami Brown as a deep threat that Sam Howell is going to chuck it up to a couple times, not necessarily because it's the college connection, but because we saw De'Ami Brown do it at least in one game, and I think that's a skill set. So yeah, I, I'm if just, he becomes I'm that wide curious. receiver for deep threat, that's where I'm throwing his name out there for.
0: I'm curious if anybody's ever done work on this, of whether like a quarterback to wide receiver connection that was dominant in college is – Worth connecting, reconnecting in the NFL, independent of how good that player is. So, like, oh, yeah, Joe yeah, Burrow yeah. to Jamar Chase yeah. doesn't really work because, like, our, all evidence is that Jamar Chase is one of the best receivers at any level of the game, anywhere, right? So, whether or not he was reconnected with Joe Burrow, it was probably going to be really good for him. Now, does it help Joe Burrow? Absolutely. But maybe it does nothing for um Jamar Chase. But I'm curious, like, for a receiver that's already sort of shown that he's not elite at the NFL level. What happens if you add the guy that was his college quarterback, where they had an amazing connection? Like, does that actually act as a catalyst for him improving, or is it just he's limited by his own ability and nothing else? It's probably
1: completely overblown. Is the truth, like Andrew Luck to Kobe Fleener, Stanford <laughs> to to the Kobe Colts. Cleaner. I can't think. Of, let us know. They, who are some other college connections? Because the the question's good, right? Because people are gonna be like, "Well, Tua and Jalen Waddle, you know." And but that's not the point. It's not about the best receivers, or you know, uh, Devonte Smith and Jalen Hurts. It's not about the better receivers. It's about a third rounder, or whatever. Like a Deami Brown, does all of a sudden have Sam, Sam, having Sam Howell help him?
0: Right. Like the the it, it's a it's a hell of a deep cut. But the Kobe Fleener is actually a great. Uh, argument because the hype around Fleener when he got drafted because he was going to be Andrew Luck's tight end was off the freaking charts like Andrew Luck's the best prospect since Peyton Manning or John Elway and his his tight end is coming like that guy's numbers going to be insane and then like he had what two half good years and then disappeared out of the league pretty quickly yeah
1: anyway we uh, we hit on every team it wasn't necessarily in alphabetical order but we did it And um, we hit on every AFC team, too. Go check out the AFC show from Monday. Quick breakdown on some of uh, the breakout players from Sam's article. Big Zavin Collins fan. I threw Isaiah Simmons in there for the Cardinals. Jamison Williams for the Lions I think is an important one. Of course, the quarterbacks. When we talk Jordan Love with the Packers or uh, Justin Fields with the Bears. Uh, Panthers, we had a few players that we highlighted on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, again, we get to see Sam Howell this year is – as a fifth-round pick, have a chance. Saints, we had a whole bunch of guys. We just listed so many guys that Mike mm-hmm. in the control room there just said it's a whole bunch of guys. Look at the Saints. They're all going to break out.
0: Big shout-out to Mike and uh, is Eli in the booth as well, guys that are cranking these up on the fly. I think it's just work. Mike
1: right now. Mike's doing a great job mm-hmm. solo. He is, um, he is powered by the Cincinnati Reds in yeah. their eight-game winning streak uh, as of record time on Monday. Maybe it's an 11-game winning streak right now. As we record right now, I went to the game the other night, which is Tuesday. Could be last night, could be the other night, who knows. But the uh, you feeling the electricity? I know you're in Florida, but Cincinnati's bumping right now for the Reds. Ellie? It
0: was, yeah, it was a different kind of electricity yesterday, like arcing from the sky. Oh, really? Yeah, be careful over there.
1: Yeah. Don't get hit. Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We appreciate everybody joining the PFF NFL podcast. Hit that thumbs up on your way out. And uh, we'll see you again next time because I don't know when this aired, but next time with more PFF NFL podcast.
0: Thanks guys.